Um, I'll be reading from Ephesians 5, 15-20. Um, look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God, um, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Morning, everyone. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers that are here. I know one of the things that we can be excited about as a church, uh, there's with Yellowstone Bible Camp just about an hour down the road, This last weekend, some Friday night, but mostly yesterday, there was some young people, teenagers came from all around the region, that met there in order to clean the camp up and get it ready for the camp season. And we have a huge crew of our own people that are there this morning that will be worshiping up at the camp. But it was just neat to see. And if, if you have kids that are up there, your kids can work, okay? Whether you believe it or not or whether you see it at home, I saw teenagers working from from early in the morning till, till late in the evening, cleaning. And so it is possible and it does happen. So that's, uh, it was pretty neat to see that. Uh, to, uh, just uh, It's so nice that uh, we have so many of our crew that, that pitches in in different ways in order to get the Bible stone, Yellowstone Bible Camp ready to go to, uh, to make a difference for the people that participate. About 1,600 people per summer come from all over the nation and around the world to come and participate in Bible Camp and reconnect with God during the summers. And so it's a neat thing that we can be participating with. Hey, for, um, we're going to talk about uh, a story that I love this morning. And it's just a story that I find, I find it to be really fun to walk through. And so we're going to be in Luke chapter 10 here in just a minute. Before we go there, I want to go to, to John chapter 11, because I'm going to lay some foundation work for this. But before we jump into this, think about this. Um, hopefully everyone here has a good relationship with their mother. If you don't, just think about a close friend that you have. But I know that having a good relationship with my mother uh, took a long time and took a lot of us learning to walk through conflict at different times. I, when I was a little kid, I'm sure that I created a, a serious amount of grief for my mother at different times, a, a, a conflict but she showed that she loved me anyway all the way through all of that. And all of our relationships are that way, is that we learn to love people in spite of their differences, in spite of their quirks, in spite of however they are. We learn to just love them anyway. And so we're going to look at an example today. And we're going to start is we're going to meet a family. In chapter 11 of, of John, we're going to see this family introduced. Because John talks about more in detail this family than Luke does, but the story is in Luke. So John chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, a village, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So what happens here is we have Mary, Martha, and Lazarus that are all brothers and sisters, and they live in Bethany, which is just a very short walk from Jerusalem. And we see Jesus going and visiting with them on a regular basis. I think we could see from Scripture that Jesus considered them close friends. And and so Lazarus gets sick. And the rest of the story is Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. But you see this interaction with this family of brothers and sisters. If you skip over to the next chapter, John chapter 12, 
What we have here, and this is shortly before Jesus is executed, but in chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. And Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. So these are people that, uh, that, that really do know and love Jesus. And, and he loves them as friends. And you see him staying at their house or being there in Bethany several times throughout the Gospels. Now, I'm not sure, Cody, what's... Bring the fire. (laughs) Funny guy, listen to this. Okay, no, not on Mother's Day, ever, okay? Never, ever fire and brimstone on Mother's Day. Not going to do that. All right, so happy Mother's Day. There we are, right? Okay, so let's go to Luke chapter 11. Excuse me, Luke chapter 10. Turn to Luke chapter 10. And we're going to see in verse 38 what happens here. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. So once again, Jesus is staying. And there's a a dinner that's going to be prepared. Just this beautiful scene. Put yourself in this situation. And here is Mary and Martha hosting Jesus so that he could come and he could participate in this meal there. Now there's a few things that I'm going to back us up and walk through a little bit. Because... The cultural context that, that this is happening here, I think it's important for us to, to understand some, some details. So within the, the Greek world, the Roman world, the Jewish world, how women were viewed and treated was varied between all of those groups. Okay, so these people are Jewish. And so at this point in time, and there's going to be differences from family to family, just like there is with us, but what's going to be typical is that the women are going to be preparing the food, and serving the men. That's going to be the typical, typical situation of how this family dynamic is going to work. And so the women were considered very strong, very powerful, and had more say within the house oftentimes of what happened than the men did. However, from the male point of view, they viewed women as, as being inferior intellectually, um, and they just... The, the men sit and have all these, these deep discussions and have the, the teaching, and the women need to just make sure that we're well-fed, sort of thing. That was very typical with, within the Jewish world. In fact, here's a prayer that was said, that was, that's written all over uh, during this time. It said, Blessed art thou, O Lord, who has made me not a woman. Ugh. Okay, not, not nice. Not something that that I would appreciate if I was in this context. And so that's the situation. That's the context that we have here. So watch what happens next. Continuing on, it says that she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And so here we have, uh, the story continues here. Is, is Martha is in there and she's working and she is toiling and there's all these people that are there. You, there's, and Jesus is teaching and you can imagine she's working hard thinking, okay, I've got to get the bread. I've got to make sure it's, it's done on time. If there's going to be meat, it's got to be done on time. I've got to be doing all this. And wait a minute. Where's Mary at? Where's, where's my sister at? My sister should be in here helping. My sister, I know that, that, that she's, who knows what's happening here, but you can imagine as, as the evening goes on, as Mary is sitting there listening to Jesus teach, 
And Martha is working and working and working, trying to feed everybody, trying to get everything ready. You can imagine her if, if there was a place to look around. And, and just as a timeout, the scripture doesn't say this, but when I read all of the interactions with Mary and Martha, I really get the impression that Martha is the oldest child. Could be wrong, but that seems to be the dynamic here. And so there's Martha working, working. You can imagine her working, and she looks around the corner, and there's Mary sitting there at Jesus' feet as a disciple listening. Martha sticks her head around, comes back, thinks, mm, I'm going to get this done, i got to get this done. And, uh, and she sticks her head around again, and there's Mary sitting there. And maybe she says, <coughs> as she's stirring, and she sticks her head back around, and you can just feel the tension rise as her blood just starts to boil. And she can't stand it anymore. She comes around the corner and she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Okay, how many of us can identify with Martha, honestly? Yeah. If you're a worker, you know exactly what this is. Mary's out there listening, sitting there, doing nothing, and I'm doing all the work. This is not okay. And you can imagine as Martha comes in and says this, the room gets quiet, everybody looks around and thinks, oh man, <laughs> Woo, she's mad, this is not going to go well, what's going to happen here? And Jesus responds by simply saying, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And I understand what Jesus does here is he responds very kindly, very gently, and very compassionately, and diffuses the situation. As Martha's mad, people are not going to be able to eat. This is not going to go well. This is going to reflect badly on my house. If we serve a bad meal, I need help. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. A few things are needed, indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus is teaching the whole group, including Mary, including Martha, something very, very important here at this point. He is sharing that there's there's a lot of things that we can be worried about in life. In fact, Jesus talks about that. In the, the previous chapters, he talks about the sower, the parable of the sower and the seed, and there's different types of seed that represent us and how we respond to God. In the thorny soil, he says, that the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke it out, making it unfruitful. So worries of life can, can put us in a place where we stop looking about at what's the most important thing. Or you think about the parable that he's told right before this of the Good Samaritan. If there ever was such a thing, the Jews couldn't imagine a, a Good Samaritan. <laughs> Terrible people. You know? But you have the Jewish leaders, the priest and the Levite, walk by someone who is injured and do not help. And the Samaritan is willing to stop and help. Because the religious leaders were worried and upset about many things. <laughs> is ultimately what it boils down to. And so Jesus is teaching something very important here that Luke has been bringing up story after story in the gospel in the gospel that he writes, is that there's all sorts of things that can worry us, that can upset us, that distract us from what is most important. And he just gently corrects Martha here to say, okay, let's remember something here. Let's remember what is most important. Let's... um. There's a lot of things that we can learn from this that I think are tremendous. Whether you're a mom or, or whatever your situation in life, there's some tremendous, tremendous lessons from, this, from what Jesus does here. First of all, 
It's important to not let the urgent rule over us. How many of you feel pressure at times, like, I've got to do this, got to do this, I've got to keep... Yep, all of us. If you don't have your, land, your hand up, you're extremely mature. Or you're lying to me, right? That happens. And we lie maybe more in church than anywhere else, because we've got to put this face up, and whatever. Okay, we feel that. We feel that pressure. I've got to get this done, I've got to get that done, and that's... I've got to... I've got to Man, I've got to, I'm so far behind. You know, we, we feel the Martha tension there. I heard an acronym once that busy means simply, as an acronym, being under Satan's yoke. Because what happens if we run and run and run and run and run, and we allow ourselves to be the servant of whatever is urgent at any given time, what happens is we stop reflecting, we stop resting with God, and we... We lose all of our joy. We lose all of our, our abundant life in Jesus because we're just running after running after running after running after running. And sometimes we can serve so much that service becomes an idol and we forget why we're serving. And then what happens is we get bitter with everybody else around us. We'll talk about that here in a bit. Because we miss the, the, the balance that God has in, in mind for us. And so don't let the urgent rule you. Another thing I think that's important here is, is this, this is not a word in the English language that I'm aware of, judgy, okay? But it's a word that we use in our family all the time. Don't get all judgy on each other, all right? And so it's amazing how we as people, and I see it with, with my children, I, I see it with, with adults, is that we can become really critical with other people. And we do that in, other, in, in various ways, sometimes because we just don't want to look at ourselves. And so if we can be critical with somebody else, it, it allows us not to be self-reflective with what we're doing ourselves. Or maybe we're just unaware of what other people are doing uh, for God. Think about this. I had a situation here a while back where I had a, a day where I had been going. I'd got up really early in the morning and I'd been meeting with people. I'd been studying. And I sat down. On the couch, I came home about the time my kids came home from school and sat down, and I had several other things that were on my plate that I was going to be doing throughout the evening. And I sat down, and I hadn't been in the chair for two minutes. And the kids walked through the door and said, Dad, you've been sitting around all day. (laughs) No. (laughs) But we can all do that, can't we? Is that we don't realize what somebody else is doing but because we don't see the whole picture, we can get all judgy on somebody else. And I think that's really what Martha's doing here to some extent, is that she wants to listen to Jesus too. She wants to be involved in, in hearing what he has to say as well. But there's something that is so important that everybody gets fed, which is important as well. And instead of saying, all right, Mary's doing something good right now, and if dinner's ten minutes later, half hour late, we're going to be okay. If the bread's a little baked a little bit too much, we're going to be okay because Jesus is here and Jesus is teaching and this is good stuff. Hey, but Martha at this point in time just decided to be a little bit too judgy. But Jesus isn't harsh with her. He just says, Martha, there's big stuff to worry about here. It's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. Also, be aware of unrealistic expectations. Uh, For us, There's all sorts of unrealistic expectations. And I I wrote some down just thinking about there's unrealistic unrealistic expectations sometimes that society puts on us, that family puts on us. Just the way we view ourselves is I've got to be a super person here, and if I fall short and I just, uh, boy, I'm just, that if we don't live up to my self-image, it's really hard on me. 
uh, or self-imposed standards. I have any number of things. We go after detail after detail or example after example after example. But one thing, I'm going to read part of this in honor of Mother's Day. Okay, This is an article from Housekeeping Monthly, May 13, 1955. And uh, it is an article of the Good Wife's Guide. Okay, and I'm going to read this in the context of unrealistic expectations. Okay, And it is bullet points of, of how... Uh, a wife needs to act, a mother needs to act in order to, uh, to be a blessing to her home, okay? Here it is. You guys ready for this? Maybe not. Okay, now understand, I'm reading this for unrealistic expectations, okay? So if I get halfway through this, you're like, Chris, I'm going to kill you, okay? This is, this is why, all right? Just, it, it's all good. Here we go. Okay, over the cooler months of the year, you should prepare and light a fire for your husband to unwind by. Your husband will feel he has reached a haven of rest and order, and it will give you a lift too. After all, and I quote, catering for his comfort will prove provide you with immense personal satisfaction. Okay? Hey, Amen. Did someone say Richard? <laughs> okay, somebody's going to sleep on the couch. Then. No. And there's, okay, there's something to all of us, whether in our relationships, when we give... We learn the great blessings that come from that, okay? All right, how about this? Um, When he comes home, listen to him. You may have a dozen important things to tell him, but the moment of his arrival is not the time. Let him talk first. Remember, his topics of conversation are more important than yours. Uh, Are we setting some things up for unrealistic expectations here? Okay, it gets better. Here we go. Make the evening his. Never complain if he comes home late or goes out to dinner or other places of entertainment without you. Instead, try to understand his world of strain and pressure and his very real need to be at home and relaxed. All right. How about this? Don't complain if he's late. I quote, if he's late home for dinner or even if he stays out all night. Count this as minor compared to what he might have gone through that day. No, no, not okay. That's not okay. All right, ladies, not okay. Okay, make him comfortable. Have him lean back in a comfortable chair or have him lie down in the bedroom and have a cool or warm drink ready for him. Arrange his pillow and offer to take off his shoes. Speak in a low, soothing, and pleasant voice. Don't ask him questions about his actions or question his judgment or integrity. Remember, he is the master of the house and as such will always exercise his will with fairness and truthfulness. You have no right to question him. Okay. Wrangle's shaking his head like, man, you should have done that. No way, man. Okay. Okay. I read this because this article sets up some unrealistic expectations to create some real dysfunction. Okay? And I read this just from the perspective for us to understand that our society, in its own way, sets up unrealistic expectations for mothers for wives, for husbands, all the way around. And so for us, I think what's important to learn from from this message is Martha had some unrealistic expectations of what life should be like. Mary should be right here. Everything should be perfect. Everything should be ready on time, whatever it may be. And she, Jesus just calmly instructed her, is adjust your expectations. All right, it's okay. Because what my kingdom, what's important is making the one thing the most important thing. 
is pursuing Jesus, pursuing my message, is the most important thing that we can do at any given time. And so as I look through, I think Martha probably learned something very important in this. I think Mary probably learned something very important. Ooh, I should help. I should really, I, I should have, I, if I could have gone and helped, then maybe Martha and I both could have sat here and learned something and listened to Jesus. Maybe that's what, what should have happened here. But in all this, making the one thing or pursuing Jesus the most important thing in our life, day in, day out, that's the stuff that provides the abundant life of Jesus that we want. Because only in Jesus do we have the forgiveness of sins. All that guilt, all that sin that we carry with us at times, gone, done, finished, it's out. Because when we walk with Jesus, we walk in the light as he is in the light. He continually purifies that from us. We have the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. In the teen class today, we walk through Romans chapter 8. Beautiful stuff that talks about the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and transforming us and, and being able to leave that old darkness behind. And I can't, when I read through Romans 8, I have to think that Paul, as he has come from a place where he had persecuted Christians to a place where he had become a great evangelist, sharing the message with people around, that he didn't look back at his own life and think, boy, I remember those days where I was angry, where I was pursuing and, and demanding, you know, you do this, you do this, that sort of thing, and the great blessings that I have in Christ now because I know the Holy Spirit has changed and transformed me into something much different. This is great. Look at the, the great news God has given me. And the one thing pursuing Jesus, the great one thing as we pursue Jesus, is we continue in this walk. We go to be with him in a place that is beyond our wildest imagination. Heaven, this place where all bad and evil is gone, and, and there's, there's unity, there's peace, there is, there's joy, there's all of that in ways that, that I can't even imagine, you can't even imagine. But I know that God and all the great promises that he's given us, he's always kept his promises, and his promise of heaven, per description, is things that we can't even th- imagine or, or speak in our own language. And so whenever things... Whether, uh, you know, moms, I have tremendous respect and tremendous appreciation for you. Moms and for all the rest of us, I hope that we can leave here being excited about not letting the urgent stuff rule over us, being reminded that to, to not be all judgy with others, but be kind and compassionate with others, be aware of unrealistic expectations that I put on my own shoulders, that you put on your own shoulders, and just remember... Really, when all the dust settles, if dinner's ten minutes late or, or the house has not been vacuumed for as long as I want to be, whatever it may be, uh, whatever your context and your situation is or wherever you feel the pressure, remember the one thing, pursuing Jesus is the most important thing, and when we do that day in, day out, God's got all the rest of the details. And that's good news, and I hope that we can leave here today excited to pursue the abundant life of Jesus. If you'd like to be Christian or you'd like prayers of the church, the elders are waiting in the back. You can head back and they'd uh, be willing to pray with you and help you walk through whatever you've got on your shoulders in life today. Let's uh, stand and sing together.